1: That is armoire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash D-I-J-F-Y to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try armoire today. Stacey, this year, fall and winter mean back-to-the-classroom, sports, after-school activities, and even fall and winter holidays. Masks optional. So more than ever, I'm looking to do all that I can to keep my kids' immunity boosted. I am right there with you. These days, staying
0: well is not just about keeping our kids and their communities safe. It's also about keeping things running smoothly, to be honest. Having the sniffles can cause confusion and stress, disruption so vitamins are an especially important part of our routine.
1: That's why I couldn't be more thrilled that Haya Health is back as a Didn't I Just Feed You sponsor. We were introduced to Haya's chewable children's vitamins last year, and they quickly became our favorite.
0: And it's no wonder that they did. Haya vitamins are made with a blend of 12 farm-fresh fruits and vegetables, then supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals known to help support a healthy immune system, energy levels, brain function, mood, teeth,
1: bones, and more. And the best part is that they are made with zero sugar. Did you know that typical children's vitamins are filled with as much as two teaspoons of sugar, a bunch of chemicals, and other stuff that many parents try to avoid? None of that is found in HIA Vitamins. It's also hard to beat their convenience. Haya Vitamins come straight to your door with a
0: pediatrician-recommended schedule. The first month comes with a reusable glass bottle that your kids can personalize with stickers. Then every month thereafter, Haya sends a no-plastic refill pouch of fresh vitamins.
1: Good for the planet, no sugar, non-GMO, vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, gelatin-free, nut-free, and my kids like them. What's not to love?
0: We've worked out an exclusive offer with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamins. Receive 50% off your first order at HayaHealth.com backslash D-I-J-F-Y.
1: This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H.com slash D-I-J-F-Y and get your kids the full body nourishment they need.
2: Everything is formatted around how you're feeling, whatever that may be. So she breaks it down into sort of five broad categories, happy, mad, sad, etc. And within those, each recipe is tied to an emotion. So we just put a recipe out, for instance, for her chocolate espresso shortbreads, which is for when you're feeling bitter, and her black pepper snowballs, which is for when you're feeling vengeful. Welcome to Didn't I Just Feed You, a podcast about feeding kids
1: hi i'm stacy and i'm megan today we're very excited to welcome brian stewart host of salt and spine podcast for our annual best cookbooks of the year episode best you said best with a question mark let's let's invite everyone to our community and then i'll say why okay okay
0: before we get started with brian we want to make sure to invite you to our "Didn't I Just Feed You" listener community. We have a free space that's open to everyone. It's where listeners from all over the world come together. They ask questions, they get advice, they share tips and recipes, and you know, they get direct access to both of us. Mm-hmm. Who doesn't want that? <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, oh, we're apparently feeling ourselves today. We would, <laughs> we would love to have you as a supporting member of our community too. Recipe subscribers are getting new easy holiday recipes and we're keeping bonus episodes coming while we take a break from new episodes in January. Visit com backslash community to get all the details on how you can access those. How are we just so many like what we're like three minutes in and there's already so much to talk about. OK, so you dropped it. You told everybody we're taking a hiatus in January. We're taking a break. Hiatus is like feels indefinite. We're long. Like, break we're just taking a break it's not like a i like how you say it too you're like trying to be cash it is okay it feels like a lot of taking four weeks off yeah it takes it feels like a lot of work internally within the organization of didn't i just feed you right now but i i do think it's a easy breezy break right yeah yeah so
0: we'll be off for january if you are a supporting member and you have a membership option that gives you access to the bonus episodes, you will still get those. We are recording those ahead of time, so there will be no hiccup in your service. And also, like Megan mentioned, we already just added a new batch of recipes. We add a recipe a week to our recipe archive, but we don't do it on that timeline. It ends up being a recipe a week, but we actually add them every three months. So we've just added a bunch of recipes to get us through winter. So if you're a supporting member, like I said, nothing changes. You're all good. The public feed will take a four week or so break and then we will be back. We already have next year's schedule starting to take shape. So we promise it's just a little
1: break. And the community, the free community is a great place. Like we're still we still will check in periodically as we're able. Um, It's a good place to get info about maybe what we're cooking and eating during that break or what we're doing. If we're not sharing personally on our Instagrams, I don't know if we will or to get details about when we will be back in February and what's on the docket. And guys, listen, we have like over 200 episodes.
0: Yeah. Go back and listen to some. And on Spotify, we have created playlists too. So if you look for Didn't I Just Feed You on Spotify, not just search for the podcast, but look for us as a user, that's where we've created some public playlists. Okay, that's the housekeeping. Now I want to go back to why you said the best
1: cookbooks (laughs) of the year. Like there was a question Mostly because I feel like we say, sometimes we've said it's just like our annual cook Book guide, or we've called it like our annual cookbook gift guide. But sometimes we also call it like the best cookbooks of the year. And I don't actually know if that's what it is because we do a funny thing of like we give categories to Brian. We have said that
0: they're the best cookbooks of the year for busy home cooks. Okay. We've always qualified it that way because we're trying to think about what cookbooks. Our audience should pick up and there are tons of other gorgeous, beautiful, worthy releases, cookbook releases that have happened this year. But these are the ones that we think will be of
1: service to our audience. Okay, so it is. It's a little bit of a caveat. It's like best. It's not we're not saying these are the best selling cookbooks of the year. We're not saying these are the like most award winning. We're saying these are the best cookbooks for busy home cooks.
0: Yeah. So let's do it. Like, this is one of our favorite episodes of the year. Why don't you tell everybody
1: a little bit about Brian if they haven't listened to one of these before and jump in? A once-bedding chef, Brian passed on a culinary school degree to pursue journalism. He's not a professional cook nor a cookbook author, but an avid home cook and an enthusiastic cookbook collector with a collection now in the hundreds. That may seem like a lot, but he envies Diana Henry's 4,000 book library almost every day. In addition to podcasting, Brian has extensive experience leading public relations and storytelling efforts for numerous nonprofit groups and advocacy organizations, including moveon.org and the Center for American Progress. He also led public relations campaigns for a range of hospitality clients, including the James Beard Foundation, the Mina Group, the San Francisco Ferry Building, New Belgium Brewing, Mr. Espresso, Hotel Autograph collections, and more. Brian has worked extensively in journalism and new media, conducting hundreds of interviews throughout his career, including time spent covering food culture and personalities in the Midwest. Brian is a native of Iowa, where he studied journalism, English, and American studies. Welcome to the show, Brian.
0: Brian, welcome back. Is this your fourth time on Didn't I Just Feed You?
2: I think so. I was thinking about it this morning, and I think it's the fourth year we've done this, so it's so great to be back.
1: We love having you come and be the authority on what cookbooks are worth it from this last year, just for people to buy for themselves or put on their wish list, but also for gift giving. And... I feel excited about the categories this year. I was going to say Brian also like
0: puts up with our bizarre categories. No, I love it. There's always a twist. There's always the good
1: ones, but then there's like there's some curveballs every year. I love it. I love a challenge. Okay. We'll start with some softballs best cookbooks for kids from 2022.
2: You know me, I, I always have a hard time narrowing it down because there's so many great cookbooks. So uh, I have one and then I'll, I'll give you a, a bonus runner up um, for this one. The one that I'm just loving that's that's relatively new from last month is called Dynamite Kids from Dynamite Kids Cooking School um, from Sarah Kate Gillingham and Dana Bowen. Um, so they, if folks are not familiar, run a cooking school for kids and teens in Brooklyn and I have a three slightly older than three year old, and this book came in the mail. and she like she hasn't shown any interest in cookbooks. All of a sudden. She's just like devouring it. She's like flipping through it. She sees the pictures of kids making things. But it's great. It has all these, you know, lessons that are totally applicable to kids of various ages and just a bunch of recipes um for things like dumplings or a Dutch baby pancake that like are really interesting and exciting for kids to make, but totally accessible too. So, That's my top pick for Kid Cookbooks.
1: That's a really good pick. And we should also share that Sarah Kate was one of the founding editors of thekitchen.com. And Dana was like at Food and Wine and a million other food publications. So they have like seen all the trends of family food cooking. And then they've really spent the last five years teaching practical cooking out of the dynamite shop. So they're just like a great resource. Yeah, I will tell you that Oliver has taken
0: classes at the dynamite shop because it's in Brooklyn. Yeah. And he loved them. They were great. And he came home, he did like a week long program, maybe like three or four summers ago, right before COVID. And he came home with a kale pesto that was delicious. Mm. And I was like, wait, dude, did you bring the recipe home for this? Like, this (laughs) is our new kale pesto recipe. It's really good. And he was really proud. It was great.
2: That's great to hear. Well, I don't know if the pesto is in their new cookbook. Perhaps it is. But I think all the other recipes look incredible, too, and just so great for kids. Next
0: category. I feel like we put this on <laughs> every, year. Step every year. It's best cookbooks for tired family cooks because we're always tired. But I feel like... <laughs> Last year, we were tired of cooking because everybody was still like home and it had been a couple of years of that and exhaustion. Now we're tired because everybody's like going back to their routines, but we're kind of out of practice and it's kind of exhausting. Yeah. So those tired family cooks who are just looking for real easy meals, what cookbook should they pick up?
2: I I totally feel you. I am a tired cook. Um, I have now two kids in the house as of a couple months ago. So I have been turning to one book in particular, and I know you had her on recently, Ali Slagle's I Dream of Dinner. It just feels like before she, this is her first cookbook, um, if folks are not familiar with Ali Seigel, she writes for the New York Times and other places, but has written something over 200 recipes for the New York Times already. And now this book has, you know, 150 plus more. And they're really fast, simple, craveable, usually like five ingredients, six ingredients, usually a lot of suggestions for how to adapt and work with what you've got and have sorts of spins on all of the dishes. So I am a huge fan of hers. This has been my go-to book of just like, I need to plan four dinners for the week. And by the way, I love your episodes where you talk about what you've been cooking and baking because that's so helpful too. And it feels like the same sort of genre of like, how can we get food on the table um, that's delicious and fast. And so I'm a huge fan of Ali Slagle's and I think if you're a tired family cook, her book I Dream of Dinner is like the one to have.
0: I love that book. When we first interviewed Ali, I think Megan and I felt like we were kind of grilling her. We were like, <laughs> you don't have you don't have kids yet. Like we right. really wanted to like press on her about keeping it really simple and easy but from a parenting perspective, and she had such grace and such good ideas and totally got it. And that episode is one of the few recently that we've gotten a ton of emails about where people are like, I love that episode. Allie's great. Yeah. Like she just totally gets what it means to be a busy home cook who just wants to riff a little bit, like be able to put together
1: delicious stuff, but without too much effort or time. Yeah. I find the format revolutionary too like even if you think oh these ideas won't work for me that you can just look at one of the recipe pages and like understand okay this is like these are the base ingredients I need this is like the basic cooking structure all like really quickly is very helpful when you are meal planning and you're tired and you're like I don't know do I have that yes great putting it on the meal plan.
2: Totally. Yeah. She went back to the um, joy of cooking style of, of recipe writing for this, which, uh, you know, as a person who cooks from a lot of cookbooks, I, and and now I'm like busier and more tired than ever. I really appreciate that approach of having the ingredient and the ingredient amounts listed within the body of the recipe. So like you said, you know, you can pull together what you need, but then as you're cooking and putting out a million other fires in and around the kitchen, it's it's all just right there in the context. And um, you're not switching back and forth to the ingredient list.
1: And Kitchen moved to that like two years ago. They've been trying to write all of their recipes where it's in the instructions. And I think of that as like about being digital media and having things be very easy to scroll. So you're not having to like scroll up to the ingredient list. But here it's also just like really helpful for for when you're busy and you're like, this is a new recipe. When does this go in? Oh, right. Goes right here. Yeah. On the flip, what about for inspired home cooks? What's the yeah. best cookbook for them to buy this Sometimes year? Sometimes I feel like we don't give them enough love.
2: I've got two, but I should just say on tired home cooks too, Ali is the one that I'm saying you gotta have. If If you're a cookbook fan so many of the beloved authors who are known for just having great staple recipes for tired weeknights have new books this year. We have new Ina Garten. We have a new one from Smitten Kitchen coming in a few weeks. We have a new Molly Ye book, a new Melissa Clark one pot one. So if you're tired, there's there's books out there for you <laughs> and we're feeling it. But if you've got some energy and you are feeling inspired, there's two that I've been loving um, over the past year. The first came out in the spring and it's Andy Barragani's The Cook you Want to Be. And I think so many of us just really love the style of um, recipe and genre of recipe approach that like this cast of former Bon Appetit folks uh, has taken. And you know Molly Boz has done a lot of this and this is Andy Barragani's first book and it's a lot of that same just like fresh, California style, craveable, not super hard recipes, but I think it's a great one for folks who are feeling inspired because it does sort of push you a bit. Like, instead of making a ranch, you're making like a tahini ranch, or, you know, you're not sure what to do with cabbage. And like, he has this incredible long roasted caramelized cabbage that just like falls apart. So it's these twists on like simple, ingredients and simple recipes that just I think makes cooking seem really fun so that's one and the other is pasta grannies has a new book I think all so many of us love Vicki Benison and what she's done with pasta Grannies, the YouTube channel and all these wonderful Italian grannies sharing their pasta recipes. I put it in the inspired category because it is a bit, the recipes are a bit more time intensive. They're a bit more complex. They're not necessarily all weeknight recipes, but the new second pasta granny's book is all about comfort food. So it's a lot of baked pastas. It goes beyond sort of just the fresh pasta with pizzas and other things as well. So if you're feeling inspired, I feel like those two just give you a lot to work with.
0: I love that you added Andy's book because That's not the first book that would have come to mind for me for Inspired, because I think when I'm thinking Inspired, I'm thinking about somebody who's willing to put in extra time and effort. But sometimes Mm -hmm. that's not what it takes to make Inspired food. Sometimes it's just that creative twist, like you were saying, that really makes the difference. That fresh new take on a flavor that you already know and crave is the thing that makes all the difference and gets you excited about cooking again, and it's it's not harder, it's not more time consuming, it's just that little like
2: bit of creativity. So that's awesome. I love that. Yeah, it's not a project book per se.
1: You mentioned project cooking. I w- I want to talk about baking. We just had Erin McDowell on. And we had this whole sort of like therapizing of Stacey and her feeling like she's not a pro baker, which is funny. So start us off by, by sharing your favorite easy baking cookbooks from this year.
2: Yeah. My favorite easy baking cookbook this year is Molly Gilbert's Sheet Pan Sweets. A hard one to get out, but great title. She also wrote Sheet Pan Suppers a while back, which has, is a great book too. But it's you know a lot of cakes. It's a lot of bars. it's um, There's some cookies in there, but just things that come together on a sheet pan or a nine by 13 and can go into the oven and are just like Quick, effortless ways to get some really great dessert. um So that's my like easy baking pick of the year.
1: Okay, I feel surprised you didn't pick Snackwell Bakes from Jesse Sheehan because that's also. Oh,
2: I should have. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> that is an o- that is an oversight on my part, and I hope she forgives me if she's listening because we're a huge fan of hers, and we had her on on the podcast, and we did some events with her, and oh. I thought, that is my bad. No, but we've plugged that book up and
0: down <laughs> and around again, because we are also love it.
1: A little bit giving you a hard time, because I hadn't heard about Sheepy and Sweets, and now I'm like, how, am I, how do I not own this book? So it's the funny thing where yeah. we also get sort of like tunnel vision, and we're like, OK, we've got like our friends in the in- industry, and of course, we're going to have them as guests and cook from their books. But there's also like a lot of other cookbooks that we should have on our radar.
2: Yes. And totally, Jesse Sheehan. Gosh, Jessie. she's so, we she's love you, so wonderful. We love you.
1: <laughs> Hold on a second. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. Okay, friends, listen up. We're getting straight to the point with this one. We know how to make your holiday shopping way easier.
0: We know that sounds like a big promise, but just like you all, we're busy and the holiday season can be overwhelming.
1: We'd never tease you with a big promise like that and not deliver. So grab your holiday list, count the number of kids that you want to gift, and head to KiwiCo.com. You've heard us talking about how much we and our kids love KiwiCo, and this holiday season, we're getting serious with you. It's time to place some orders. KiwiCo's fun-filled monthly crates
0: include everything needed for screen-free, hands-on enrichment. They bring together creative play, STEM, geography, and even cooking activities in a line of subscription options for everyone from babies to toddlers and teens 16 and older. KiwiCo crates make amazing gifts for the kids in your life, including your own.
1: You know that we're partial to cooking. Lately, our families can't get enough of KiwiCo's yummy crate which delivers high-quality kitchen tools, three recipes, and two projects every month geared towards kids ages 6 to 14. And before each crate arrives, you also get a shopping list that includes alternative ingredients to accommodate different diets from vegetarian to vegan. But fear not if cooking isn't the thing that will spark excitement for the kids in your life. Through different seasons, our kids have loved
0: the Kiwi Crate, Atlas Crate, and Tinker Crate, just to name a few. So be sure to check out all of KiwiCo's lines – There's something for every kid.
1: So go now. I mean, keep listening to us (laughs) while you holiday shop. Didn't I Just Feed You listeners get 50% off their first month plus free shipping with the code D-I-J-F-Y at KiwiCo.com. That's 50% off your first month at K-I-W-I-C-O.com. Promo code D-I-J-F-Y, short for Didn't I Just Feed You. And KiwiCo is the perfect gift for last minute gifting too. No shipping or wrapping required. ButcherBox is offering our listeners their choice of a weeknight meal essential, three pounds of chicken thighs, two pounds of ground beef, or one pound of premium steak tips for free in every order for a whole year. Plus, you get $20 off your first order. Sign up today at
0: butcherbox.com backslash D-I-J-F-Y and use the code D-I-J-F-Y short for Didn't I Just Feed You to choose your free offer and get $20 off.
1: This episode
0: is brought to you with support from Whole Foods. As our resident Greek girl, I am a sucker for Mediterranean flavors and want you to taste the Mediterranean too.
1: Go to Full Foods Market now and save on regionally inspired products through March 19th. Find sales on animal welfare certified meat, including boneless, skinless, air-chilled chicken breast, bone-in beef short ribs, ground lamb, and more. Save on whole bronzini and sustainable wild-caught sockeye salmon. Do you ever feel like you're in a never-ending cycle of snacks and meals? We get it. That's why we're excited to share HomeThreads, the ultimate solution for creating a stylish and functional family space.
0: At HomeThreads.com,
1: Head over to HomeThreads.com slash D-I-J-F-Y, short for dinner I just feed you, to get a code for 15% off your first order. Because if you're going to be feeding them three times a day, plus snacks, you deserve a home that feeds your style. HomeThreads, love where you live. That's HomeThreads.com backslash D-I-J-F-Y today to
0: get 15% off your first order. Easy baking is easy for me. That's what I like. I can't wait to get sheet pan sweets. But I'm being pushed to expand my horizon. Yes, ma'am. To embrace my inner pro baker. What book should someone who's ready to jump into being a more ambitious baker grab off the shelves?
2: Well, I have a couple. And one... Perhaps your listeners are already so familiar with because you just had her, Erin McDowell, Erin Jean McDowell, and her Savory Baking Book, I feel like is just a great project baking book. And that book is, is so beautiful and I know has been like years in the making and it's just um, savory baking recipes, you know, pizzas, flatbreads biscuits, all of that with a lot of like sweet twists and like things you can make kind of sweet too. So not exclusively savory, but a focus on like, it's not pure sugar and it's not totally just a sweets book. So that's a great project one. The other one that I'm loving right now that just came out this fall is called Baking by Feel from Becca Ray Tucker, who runs the Sweet Feminist Instagram account. This is her first cookbook. And I love this because there are definitely some project bakes in here, and there are definitely some quicker bakes too, but everything is formatted around how you're feeling, whatever that may be. So she breaks it down into sort of five broad categories, happy, mad, sad, etc. And within those, each recipe is tied to an emotion. So we just Put a recipe out, for instance, for her chocolate espresso shortbreads, which is for when you're feeling bitter, and her black pepper <laughs> snowballs, which is for when you're feeling vengeful. Which we happen to like feature two recipes that feel kind of angry, <laughs> bitter, and vengeful. But they're not all. She's got recipes that are connected to happy and blissful emotions, and they have fresh lemon and like so. And she explains how they connect, right? So a graham cracker pie crust might be an angry recipe because you're getting your anger out by pounding the graham crackers. But there's some great project bakes in there. And I just, I love that approach. And she talks about each of the emotions and what you might be feeling and has some writing and thinking prompts for for you to mull over while the the stuff is in the oven. So that's a great one to just like have to tackle some some bakes this year.
1: And therapy. At yeah. Once. I and therapy. It's all emotional in one. baking, yeah. I say... <laughs> When I'm I, when I'm struggling through something, I often want to bake as a way to like process it.
2: There's one more I'll give you for project Ooh, baking, which is the biggest project one perhaps of all. So if you really are looking for a challenge, I'm loving this book called Good and Sweet from Brian Levy. He wanted to write a cookbook. He's had some pastry experience in you know high end restaurants and on the East Coast and in France, and he wanted to write a book that was. Free of processed sugar, but not a book that was heavily relying on honey or, you know, date syrup, maple syrup, some of the other like alternatives we see. So it's really all about using the sweetness from dried fruits, from fresh fruits. And it all came from he made this uh, mango recipe where he just let the sweetness of the mango come through. And it's, a you know, 100 recipes of wow. sugar-free fruits. So great for cutting sugar, but also just like so fun to think about how can you make, you know, a peach galette that has no sugar other than relying on like the sweetness of those peaches, That's for instance.
0: Such a cool concept. And I really yeah. feel like, okay, I'm going to go out here on a limb on this one. I'm probably going to get hate mail about this. But <laughs> <laughs> if you have a picky eater and you're willing to do some project baking... The idea of really exposing kids to like fruits and vegetables in all different ways without forcing anything, you know, so like take them to the mm-hmm. farmer's market and touch the zucchini and isn't that cool and smell it and whatever. Not always the most practical advice. We're all busy. Like not everyone has access to the market. But when you can do that stuff, it can really help. And so the idea yeah. of taking a kid who's maybe um, vegetable fruit and vegetable averse and then, you know, baking and really using the fruit flavor to shine through a baked good in a way where like the flavor of the fruit itself is really the star and it's not just overpowered by processed sugar could be really interesting. Might be a way yeah. to get some kids excited about fruit. I don't know.
2: I agree with you. No hate, no hate mail from me. Okay, yeah.
1: I, great. I think that key phrase about is here. Near. No, <laughs> she's about Please to write emails in. to no. hello. Didn't I just feed you? Um, <laughs> I kind of agree with that. I think any exposure is good exposure. And if your kid loves a f- certain fruit, turning that into dessert is like a game changer mentally to how they look at food. I just think the key thing that you said there that I want to highlight is like, not you're not forcing it. You're not trying totally. to hide it. That's a against our didn't I just feed you picky eaters ethos so great great recommendation it's on my desk and I need to bake from it like oh, ASAP. Yeah. yeah okay this is a category I kind of put on here as a little gift to Stacy because she loves to travel and I think people are traveling again what is the best cookbook for inspiring travel or cookbooks because you you could have a couple here or dreams of travel. Yes,
2: I know. Right. Yes, we we are starting to get to travel again, which is nice. I have to the first I just adore her work in general. But Erin Gleason, who is The Forest Feast, this is she has a new book this year, which I think if I'm getting it right, is her fifth cookbook, maybe sixth. Uh, it's called The Forest Feast Road Trip. So it's it's a particular type of travel, right? She actually spent part of the pandemic. She lives in California traveling around the States. She drove something like 3000 miles with her family up and down California and stayed at um, beautiful little cabins and cooked locally. It's a, it's a vegetarian book, but it's not super vegetarian branded, right? The veg- The recipes happen to be vegetarian. She also combines all of her own original watercolor work with her photography. So she produces everything about the book from the art to the photos to the recipes. And it's just like, Her work is stunning and beautiful to look at, and it makes me want to just like hop in the car and drive. So, um, for folks who can't yet travel far, or like, or you know, road tripping is the way to go, or or you have a road trip planned, like it just feels really inspiring to think about how you can embrace cooking while on the road. And then if your travel dreams are larger than that, or you are you know going beyond road (laughs) trips. I think a really fun one this year for families who are looking or planning travel is the Somebody Feed Phil book, which Maybe is a surprise that I picked it, <laughs> but actually, you know, Phil Rosenthal, who, you know, created everybody is everybody loves Raymond? I think so, that that yeah. was the name, right? Back in the day. And now kind of has this second career as like a little bit of a food travel star. He has this popular Netflix show called Somebody Feed Phil, um, which is in you know several seasons now. There have been three or four seasons, I think. So it's the first cookbook connected to the show and I leafed through it the other day and there's stories and essays from all of these places within the U S you know, New Orleans to Bangkok or Tel Aviv. And so you get to like leaf through and dream about going or, go to all of these places, cook recipes that are inspired by and from um, his travels. And then you have like this great Netflix companion show to watch. So that's why I thought it was a great one for families too. It's like you can watch the show, you can have the book, you can sort of dream and make maybe make some dreams a reality in terms of traveling this year.
0: I love that. At one point, my family and I put together... Um, master bucket list of places we want to travel together before both boys mm-hmm. graduate college. So everybody made their own bucket lists. And then it was really fun to compare and like see where there was overlap and see where there wasn't. And it over several weeks sparked so much conversation and fun and nerdy research. You know, it's the kind of thing yeah. where if you like try to mention a place to a kid and you're like, oh, let's, you know, research this. It's like, that sounds boring. But then when, you know, Oliver put Mongolia on his list, we were like, what? Like, really? And then we started searching up like Mongolian. Can you travel to Mongolia and where? And like, oh, you would stay in yurts and like that. It was just so fun. And it sounds like this recommendation gives you like a really nice runway so that you don't have to recreate the wheel. It's like there and book and Netflix and you can kind of meet your kids wherever they are and thinking about all these far from places
2: totally yeah i love that that reminds me of the the TikTok trend of people making like powerpoint presentations of where they want to go to (laughs) similar idea right of like the research and yeah
1: it's only one family trip so everyone has to make their case again about where they want to go for that year yes so good yeah This is a challenging category. (laughs) It also kind of like ties back to TikTok trends, Instagram trends. And it was sparked by a conversation Stacey and I had had about of a friend who's a prolific gardener and she cans and she does her own Mm. ferments. And is there a cookbook (laughs) that you feel like speaks to this time in our culture and in our country where maybe we're trying to get back to our roots? Maybe we are feeling like impending doom. Is there a good book for people who are feeling preppy?
0: Like the apocalypse is coming. Yeah. Not preppy, like in the way we dress. (laughs) Sure,
2: sure, sure, sure.
0: Preppy like, oh my God, what's happening?
2: This is the one that you really gave me a challenge with this year. (laughs) So I was like, I could go so many different ways with this. And, And like you were just saying, you know, you could go the canning route. You could go kind of a literal route. I went a different route, and I hope I love this author, and I hope she doesn't um, hate me for recommending her book for this category, but the one that I'm going to say, if you're prepping for the apocalypse or the apocalypse is impending, to buy that came out this year is Kristen McGlory's Simply Genius from the Food 52 cookbook collection. Interesting choice, perhaps, and let me explain why this is i love her work in general her simply (laughs) (laughs) her simply recipes yes i uh, if she's listening, I I'm sure she, I hope she forgives me. This is like, the, I think the third in her Simply Genius uh, cookbook series. So where she searches for like the most genius recipes. Yep. And this one's all about simple genius things. So I was trying to put myself in the mindset of like apocalypse is coming or is here. And what do I want to be equipped with? And what do I want to know? And her book is full of it's got 100 plus recipes, but beyond 100 simple like tips and tricks the sorts of things that you would see on tiktok for like here's how to like make sure your canned produce does x or like here's how to like cut an avocado with no utensils, like maybe not that intense, but like all of these trips with visuals and charts and like diagrams to show you how to like handle hot chilies or preserve herbs for even longer. And like these little simple hacks. So
0: it's like a survivalist book.
2: It's like right, I took survivalism. some away. In... <laughs> exactly. I'm into it. But it's what I would want. It's what I would want if I was stuck in an apocalypse. I'd want to know. I wouldn't want a project book for sure. Yes. I would want simple tricks <laughs> yes. and tips to figure out how to take those canned chickpeas that have now been there for however long we've been in this apocalypse <laughs> and make them edible and delicious. So totally. I'm sorry, Kristen, but it's it's the book that I think you should have. If I think you're prepping. that's
1: great. Like who's going to can in the apocalypse?
2: Right, no, no, one. no, have, one. no, you guys.
1: I have so many thoughts right now. Okay, so first <laughs> of all, I'm not mad. I feel like it fits within the category with your explanation, but I also think it speaks to like a really interesting thing that we see with trends, right? Because like there were years early in my career where it was like canning was really big, and I felt like. Like, Food in Jars was really popular. And then in the last couple of years, it's been a lot of, like, ferments and making your own kombucha. And so I love this idea that we're all a little bit too tired for that kind of bullshit. And that the kind of, like, preserving or preparing that we need to be doing is more, like, smart and efficient. And also applies to our, like, actual real life right now when there's not quite an apocalypse yet. So I
0: love it. Totally, yeah. It's Such how to a good be. Pick. I think
1: that's a great way of putting it. Like how to be
0: efficient and clever, and make the most yeah. of whatever you have. Exactly. I'm into it. I think that was a genius answer.
2: Ha ha ha. Okay, that's I did there. Well, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> um, I did.
0: Okay, moving on from the apocalypse, parenting <laughs> teenagers. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. <laughs> there are a little
0: bit. Well, there's some overlap in the emotional yeah, experience. Right. So. <laughs> This one is, what cookbook can we grab and leave on the counter very conspicuously so that our tween or teen can get the hint that they need to start helping more and pitch in? We've done a few episodes this year on like different ways that kids at different ages can help pitch in to get dinner on the table. And so if we wanted to throw a cookbook into the mix too, which one should it be?
2: I've got one that I think is like the winner for this year. And it's from Aton Bernath, who's this like TikTok star. He's everywhere. He shared with us some wild statistic about like one in three people on Earth has like seen him or something. What? That still blows my mind. I'm like, I don't know if that's actually true. Um, he was on the very first episode years ago of um, Chopped Junior. He was one of the contestants as a an early teen and just like fell into cooking did a TikTok video that went viral. Like his first video went viral and had like 200 million views or 2 million views in the first like 24 hours out of nowhere. And so he's just this, he, he's now a, the culinary correspondent on the Drew Barrymore show. Like his career has really taken off. He is a 19, 20 years old at this point. And this is his first cookbook and it's called Aton Eats the World. And so I think A lot of teens have probably already seen him. Well, a third of the world has, certainly a lot of teens have, but I know a lot of people of all ages have been exposed to him and love his content the book is full of just like really creative and approachable recipes. We had a recipe from him for peanut butter and jelly pancakes. He has a grilled cheese that has a blueberry thyme jam, green shakshuka. They're very accessible recipes that I think most teens could handle on their own pretty easily, but inspired by you know global flavors. He's got sandwiches and burgers and desserts and just like all sorts. And it's fun. It's like bright. There's lots of great photography. He's all over TikTok. So you've got like supplemental content. But that's the one that feels like if I was a teen today, I would feel like inspired by that book. But I was a weird teen because I loved cooking anyway. So
0: (laughs) (laughs) it's funny that you said supplemental content, because I was just going to make a joke about the fact that I would probably buy the book, leave it on the counter. And then my kids would hardly touch it and they would just go to his TikTok and follow recipes there. I think the book is probably the supplemental content for <laughs> okay, yeah,
2: that. OK, yeah, that's but fair. Still, <laughs> sure. it works. But either way, it's getting that. Either way. Yeah.
0: I think that's a great one. OK, we have one last category, although we always like to ask if we missed anything. So you might add more. But we wanted to know what you thought were the best cookbooks for cultivating community and giving that's sort of broad we left it broad on purpose but whether you Mm -hmm. want to cook for your neighbors or contribute to a community fridge or get a bunch of people together and talk meet rally make a difference pta whatever it is for you what's a good cookbook to pick up
2: yeah i have Two And then a caveat. So I love my caveats. Um, The two that I will start with. So the first is I think every year we kind of have a cookbook that's about big batch cooking or entertaining or recipes that feed larger amounts of people. And I think the one that's exciting me in that realm this year is Anna Stockwell's For the Table which is really about entertaining and getting back to sort of the art of simple, fun dinner parties. So it's full of recipes and in her words, like no recipe dishes of just like how to have great non-fussy dinner parties. So I think as, you know, we're starting to entertain people more, as we're starting to share meals with friends and family and, and, ways that we haven't in a while and get get people back together, that feels like it's just a, a great one to have on hand as a reference for modern sort of entertaining and dinner party ideas. The other one that I think is really great in terms of cultivating community and cooking for others is Nicole Taylor's um, most recent cookbook, Watermelon and Redbirds, which is also, somewhat of a culinary history, or not not history per se, but a culinary presentation of Juneteenth and the history of Juneteenth and some of the recipes that are associated with Juneteenth, but in a really modern way. It's not a historical text. It's not like here are how here is how Juneteenth has been celebrated over the last number of years. It's using that as sort of a launching pad for talking about and sharing recipes for cookouts is a big emphasis in there. There's a whole chapter on cookouts. Nice. So, how to have, you know, great barbecues, great cookouts, bring people together outdoors or indoors. Her work is incredible and all of the recipes are like so beautifully photographed and so craveable and she has some great cocktails in there that I think also are great when you're bringing people together. That is another great book for just entertaining, especially summer entertaining this year. Definitely have that one on hand. And then my caveat is this is how I decided we should, you know, encompass everything we perhaps have missed, Yeah. is that really, I think any book and a lot of the books this year, any book can really be about bringing people together, any cookbook, if you really think about it. We've had, yeah, we've had so many great books this year that are just interesting and fun to cook from. And so I think you know, a book like Masa, which is this new historical look at Masa, nixtamalized corn, which is the basis of, you know, tortillas and tamales and some pupusas, so many things we love, uh, has recipes. Like, why not have people over and learn about the history of Masa and then make like fresh pressed tortillas in your home and throw them on the griddle and like have a great taco night that's different than and more interesting than just store-bought tortillas. And there's a number of other books that, That fit within that sort of mold of just like really creative books that I think are fun to share and to cook along with.
0: I think you're hitting on something that's been a theme this winter. You know, Megan and I did an episode for our supporting community membership about whether or not an American Thanksgiving was dead. And that started a lot of questions about like, what's it like to Entertain now. Like we had this hiatus. We were all separated by necessity for a long time. We're all getting back together. And then there's all these threads. There's dealing with the fact that the world is really different in so many ways since pre pandemic. There's also inflation, and that impacts how people get together. Food costs are really high. There's still, yeah. you know, the pandemic isn't quite over for a lot of people who are immunocompromised. There's still lots of vulnerable people out there. So I just think there's a new landscape and we're all kind of rewriting the rules. So I love this idea of not getting stuck in this track that this book that's meant to be about feeding large groups of people is the only one you can pick up if you're feeding a large group of people, that you can just rewrite the rules, grab any book that you love, that inspires you, that moves you, and think about how you can pull those recipes together when you gather with the people you love.
2: Yeah. I I think that's right. And, you know, I'm all all about people buying and supporting cookbook authors, but sharing books is so wonderful, too. We have little, you know, community libraries all over. I see them popping up on street corners, leave a book, take a book, like share a great cookbook with a stranger, with a friend you love, make recipes. I was even touched recently, the University of San Francisco um, Geriatrics Outpatient Center put together a cookbook library with salt and spine featured cookbooks for folks to check out and take home and share these these wonderful cookbooks with others. So I, I think any book can do that. You just have to think about how to do it. That's so awesome.
1: I feel like we could wrap up so neatly right there and be like heartwarming. <laughs> but are there any categories or any cookbooks that we didn't include that you feel like we have to talk about from this last year?
2: You know, I think we hit on a lot of the big ones. I also am just really loving. I think there's sort of this third generation cookbook author group of children of immigrants and grandchildren of immigrants who are writing these incredible cookbooks with American-influenced recipes. Eric Kim wrote Korean American earlier this year. There's a new one out just now from Frankie Gaw called First Generation Recipes from My Taiwanese American Home. There's been a lot of excitement around Ileana Masonette's uh, Diasporican, which is her Puerto Rican cookbook that she's been working on for a number of years. So I think there's just so many of those that are so exciting. The recipes are incredible and just are full of like awesome storytelling. So if there was... Anything we missed in terms of our categories, I think it's just some of those books that really stand out, but but didn't fit into some of our themes this year. I
0: just picked up Diasporican the other day. It's so beautiful. Like, I knew about it. It's, you know, sometimes I'll just do, I have to admit, but sometimes I just do, like, big orders on Amazon. And I've been trying uh-huh. to get away from Amazon and go to local bookstores, but that's harder to do. And I was in a bookstore, and they had it out on the display and you know even though i knew i wanted it and it looked so great and i had read about it it just was like it called to me it was so beautiful and fun grabbed it immediately dog-eared you know a whole bunch of
2: recipes super excited to cook from it yeah it's really exciting and, you know, I think that, that's, that covers it. There's uh, so many great books this year. And now I'm going to have to go back and think about, like, I, I say any book can bring people together. Now I have to go think about how any book can become like a doomsday prepper book, yes. too. I feel like
0: <laughs> thank <you. And> <laughs> that any, for for any of them can seat. be. <laughs> that is our gift to you and yes. the perfect way to say <laughs> yes. thank you for coming on our
1: show. <laughs> we leave you of with thoughts course. of the apocalypse.
2: It's always so fun. It's always so fun.
1: Brian, for anyone who doesn't follow Salt and Spine, tell them where they can find you because that's another great way to get cookbook recommendations. And then you also have a new Substack community that people can join.
2: We do. Yeah. Salt and Spine, we're the, the leading cookbook podcast featuring interviews with authors coming up on over 200 authors that we've interviewed now. And so you can find us on all the major podcast platforms. We have weekly episodes with all of our favorite cookbook authors and then follow along on our Substack where we have featured recipes from our favorite cookbooks, essays, author interviews, all of that. So we just love cookbooks. And if you love cookbooks, Salt and Spine is there for you. Yes. Thanks, Brian.
0: As always, Brian came ready with a whole list of cookbooks. A lot of them that we actually have spoken with the authors of and have copies of. Hopefully our audience has gone to the library or maybe their local bookstore and has picked up, you know, Savory Baking or Korean American. What was missed? Is there any cookbook from this year that you want to give a shout out to that either doesn't fit in the neat categories or wasn't on Brian's radar, but is on yours?
1: Okay, so when I think of like best For me, it's something that I like turn to repeatedly. And so I have to give a shout out. I've mentioned it in so many what we're cooking and eating now episodes, but I've cooked so much from Jenna Helwig's Bare Minimum Dinners. Yeah, you have. Do you know I still don't have a copy? Stacey, uh, is that what I'm giving you for Christmas?
0: i feel I like i wanna copy i don't know why i
1: feel like, i believe it's good yeah it's not for the season that you're in or the cook that you are yeah maybe that's what it is yeah but it's been really good for me when i just feel stuck yeah, you and love when it. i'm having like anxiety about grocery sh- planning and grocery shopping and like i just need to put i need to stop and yes. like put some meals so i really love that and then we had cassie joy garcia on the show of yes. fed and fit fit and fed for her book um, cook once eat twice. And I gifted that cookbook to my sister-in-law and she cooks from it all the time. And I think that that's also like a good calling card of a good cookbook is like how much use the person you gave it to gets out of it. I would also be remiss if I didn't mention the cookbook that I worked on last year that came out this year. You might've heard of it before because we had grill dad's come and do a listeners group exclusive i've probably talked about it too much but it's called the best, never too much the best damn grilling cookbook ever written by two idiots <laughs> it's really it. fun it's not necessarily like easy quick weeknight cooking but if you like grilling if you like cooking outside it's lots of really like fun inspired ideas and i think it would make a great gift along with like some of their spiceology spices which i love I love their Spiceology spices. I'm not just saying that. They're very good. And I have to tell you that I think that even
0: there's a couple of things that I would not necessarily make, but the flavor combinations have inspired other dishes or just like putting those flavors together in something
1: quick and easier. Yes. What do you feel like was maybe missed?
0: I don't know. You know, it's funny. I was thinking that I don't think I've relied on cookbooks so much. I can't think of a cookbook that I pull off my shelf and look at a ton the way you're describing bare minimum dinners. So if I'm going to be fully transparent, when I'm in that mode that you describe being in when you grab that book, I tend to open the New York Times cooking app Mm. as opposed to grabbing a book. So there you go. I'm going to mention it because I believe it comes with a subscription. So there is a financial investment the same way there would be buying a book. Snackable Bakes is a book that I have used most because when I'm baking, that's more of a time when I'm gonna always grab a book and like really rely on one. And we mentioned it, we all love that book. I also already mentioned being really excited about Diasporican. I just picked it up, I haven't cooked from it. But I really like when I get excited about cookbooks, like I don't know. They're more about inspiration, color, photography, like a certain cuisine that I may not know enough about that I want to just like read all the recipes and kind of take in and sort of start to integrate techniques or ingredients in a new way in my thinking about cooking so that when I go into the kitchen and I'm just throwing together a dinner, I may not even realize that I'm drawing inspiration from a cookbook that I kind of poured over earlier in the month. So those are the kind of cookbooks that I've been looking at recently. And then there's just a cookbook that I think is great to mention for the holidays. It just came out. It's beautiful. It's interesting. It is called Ghetto Gastro Black Power Kitchen. I've mentioned Ghetto Gastro before because they have a partnership with Crux and they make a bunch of kitchen appliances, including my air fryer, which I love. So they're actually a culinary collective. And these are their own words. This is how they describe themselves. A culinary collective that uses food as a platform to spark conversation about larger issues surrounding inclusion, race, access, and how food and how knowing how to cook provides freedom and power. It's a message that really speaks to me. They're from the Bronx, New York, so I love it. Fellow New York City people. I discovered them several years ago. They have an Instagram that's really great, and at this point is just tracking their many successes. It's been very exciting to watch. And their new book, Black Power Kitchen, is really what they describe as a a celebration of Black culture. The photography is really wild and modern. It's not the kind of photography that I look at and I'm like, oh, that's mouthwatering. It's like spoons balanced in the air with like food dripping off of it. And it's just really like fun. But it's the kind of thing that I think makes a great gift and is going to be good on a coffee table.
1: I'm putting it on my gift list for my brother who, you know, he graduated from Cal Poly in June and he's an architect and has his first like grown up apartment. (laughs) Yes, I feel like you'll appreciate that style of photography, and also the like celebration of Black culture and avant-garde. Yes, yes, yes. it's cool. Okay, any other honorable mentions before we take it to our listeners group? No, but I do just want to give a shout out to all the cookbook authors who came on our show this year. Oh, good. We
0: had a whole bunch of them. We love you guys. You make the show interesting, and the content that you work so so hard to create helps make cooking easier for our listeners, for us, and we deeply appreciate the work
1: because we know it can be a little bit thankless. (laughs) How do we know that? From personal experience. Yes, and from the many, many people in our listeners community who, who remind us how much work they do to feed their families. So, Stacy, let's take this combo to our "Didn't I Just Feed You" listeners community. We hope that you've joined us there. If not, join for free at just dot com backslash community. Or if you want those bonus episodes and other goodies, join our supporting community.
0: You can also keep in touch with us on Instagram, where we are at Didn't I Just Feed You? Aren't we creative? <laughs> you can also sign up for our newsletter. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to Didn't I Just Feed You. If you're listening and you're not already following or subscribing to the show on your favorite podcast player, do that right now. It's just the click of a button. If you're already a subscriber, something else you can do with the click of a button is just give us five stars <laughs> <laughs> or as many stars as possible or whatever. We think it should be five. Give us as but many, many but stars remember, as you want. Well. We are feeling ourselves think it's, today. Yes. Yes. Yeah, you can do whatever you want. But those reviews, those stars actually bring us a whole lot of joy. And with the way that algorithms work, they help
1: other busy home cooks find us. A huge thank you to our producer, Samantha Getzik. I'm Megan. And I'm Stacy. Stay sane and well fed. Until next time. Be sure to subscribe to Didn't I Just Feed You wherever you're listening. And don't forget to rate and review.